When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, welcome into the post-day three Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney's still at the facility for some ungodly reason. I have already gone home, so we're doing it via the FaceTime. Uh, Courtney, day three, let's go through a little bit of what happened uh, today, and then we'll circle back, look at the big picture, and then potential trades that did not happen. I think... If you're a Vikings fan, you are very thrilled about their fourth-round pick, another offensive lineman, Drew Samia. And then after that fourth-round pick, you sort of shrug your shoulders and maybe Google the players' names and hope they turn out to be something in three years, which is kind of how it always works. But this particular draft, it didn't have a whole lot of fireworks for the Vikings or players that fans had heard of or anything like that as it went down the board, and maybe Chris Boyd, the cornerback, is kind of intriguing out of Texas, but was there a pick for you that stuck out beyond Drew Samia that you really liked down the board, or was it kind of, eh, I guess we'll find out? Honestly, I mean, they nailed it on Thursday and Friday when they go get Garrett Bradbury. They did try to you know, tiptoe around fixing the offensive line by playing musical chairs and going and getting a tackle and then turning him into a guard and moving, you know, Riley Reef around, moving Brian O'Neill around, like which had been rumored during the offseason. They went and they addressed the need head on, which I do appreciate uh, when you're taking a look at how this whole draft played out. And obviously Irv Smith is the F tight end that they haven't had. So both of those A picks, in my opinion, where things started to turn for me. I do love the Drew Samaya pick. Um, I even think Cameron Smith is going to be a really good presence, uh, possibly like weak side linebacker in replacing Ben Gideon eventually. Um, Alexander Madison does not make sense to me. Uh, I know the Vikings are trying to replace what they had in Latavius Murray, find that big physical back who can, you know, make plays through contact. The more he gets lathered up, the more carries he gets, the better he is. But to spend a third round pick, I know that that was probably a player that they had uh, high on their board, but to spend a third round pick on a position that really wasn't a glaring need. Um, yeah, they have four guys on the roster right now, including Dalvin Cook, but they also have Amir Abdullah, Mike Boone, and Rock Thomas. To me, that's a position that you could find as a college free with your college free agents. That's how they got both Thomas and Boone last year. Um, and if you want to take a look at the player that they're trying to replace, Latavius Murray was a six round pick. Um, I think that this was a heavy class for running backs and they could, probably could have even waited until the fourth or fifth round if they really wanted to draft somebody, uh, that they felt the value was there for. But to me, I, you know, that soured the taste in my mouth when I looked at how they executed the, 
early part of this draft. And then they come back on Saturday. Drew Samaya is a great pick. Um, you know, they're, they're continuing to say, hey, the offensive line needs work. Let's fix it. And I like Cameron Smith. Um, I agree with you. I think that Chris Boyd could be kind of that diamond in the rough cornerback. They have a lot of uh, question marks at that position. But there are several others, you know, rounds six and seven with all the picks that they do, did have and were not able to successfully use as trade leverage uh, that I don't really understand because these are guys that are not going to be on the roster, the 53-man roster when it's all said and done. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about Madison because fundamentally when it comes to the running back position, I, I tend to agree, but this one I think is defensible from the standpoint of the third round in the NFL draft for running backs strikes me as a hot zone for them where it finally makes sense to invest a pick if you feel like someone can make an, an impact right away. And Amir Abdullah has not really been a great running back. He's been more of a great special teamer in his career. We don't know if Rock Thomas will be on the team, especially with some off-the-field stuff. Mike Boone got a couple of carries last uh, year, but that was about it and looks like a pretty raw player himself. I could understand why they would want to throw a pick at that when you feel like there's someone who's really talented but isn't one of the top players in the position off the board. So if it's a wide receiver, if it's a tackle, then usually by the third round, you might be getting the 10th best player, the 15th best player at, at those key positions. But at a running back, you're getting, I don't know which one Madison was, but fourth, fifth or something like that. So maybe the value is there. But when you're saying, yeah, we needed a number two running back. So that's why we went with that pick as opposed to another position of need. I guess I I can agree with you from from that perspective. And, I, and maybe it's just me, Courtney. Have they not loved any of these wide receivers over the last few years that come through in these middle rounds? Because it just seems like we've pegged them for a wide receiver in the middle rounds, anywhere from three to four, five. And it doesn't seem to be happening very often. There was the Rodney Adams. Stacey Coley was a seventh rounder, two seventh rounders this time. I think I guess I would have been targeting wide receiver a little bit more here than running back in the third. Yeah, I think the run on receivers and where it went today, especially, like they could have gotten some really good names there late in the third round and even into the fourth round um, on Saturday. The thing that I have the issue with, with this running back group, you're right. Like with, with the personnel that they do have, I mean, with Rock Thomas's legal issues, we don't know what his situation is going to be. Is he going to be suspended for a little bit? Um, they need to obviously figure out what's going on behind Dalvin Cook. I talked to Dalvin about this two weeks ago when we talked to him at the offseason program, and he said, yeah, like that's how you keep your number one guys fresh by having, you know, it's a two-back league. You need to have other bodies in here. Um, and I think everybody kind of realizes that you take a look at some of the free agent signings, you're putting powerful rushers with other powerful rushers. Sometimes it's just a difference of style, which is what the Vikings need. Amir Abdullah is a poor man's Jarek McKinnon. That's very like layman way to, to explain that, but he's your change of pace guy. He's shifty. He can cut back. He can do a lot of that stuff. Um, and, and also the special teams aspect with him is huge. Mike Boone is a guy that I think can take the jump in year two. We just didn't get to see much of him um, in, in his rookie season. They just didn't use him. But when I look at the best players available, Elijah Holyfield, the running back out of Georgia, who kind of has a similar build to Alexander Madison. He's 5'10", 217, so he's that big physical back who can work through contact. Um, he went undrafted, and he's going to sign somewhere as a college free agent. Like, you know – 
you give a guy 85,000, 75,000, just like they did with Holton Hill, I think he'd still be in really good shape to use that third round pick, maybe on a receiver. Maybe you could have, maybe there was an offensive lineman there that they were hoping to get um, that they could have done. And then they could have used that fourth round pick elsewhere and just move their needs down the board. So that's kind of where I have a little bit of pause and, and just kind of looking at like the first four rounds, you know, they go all offense, which is great because they need to run the football better. They need to improve the offensive line and need to improve the protection of Kirk Cousins. But they also needed to get Kirk Cousins more weapons. Um, outside of Irv Smith, do we know if those tight ends are going to pan out? I mean, they're both deep ball threats. That's great and everything. But they're also seventh round tight, seventh round wide receivers that have, you know, there's a reason they're seventh round receivers, which, you know, you take a look at that number three competition. I don't have any better feeling about knowing who's going to emerge than I did you know, yesterday before they drafted receivers. Well, and to your point, the Dylan Mitchell NFL.com profile was aggressive. It's not good. Very that aggressive. Was, <laughs> they definitely don't think that he can run routes effectively. They think he's a problem in terms of the, the, the play strength and not putting, you know, not being somebody who wants to be in the weight room. And uh, this is somebody who they say has issues and discipline with running his routes, which you know, if, if I'm if I'm looking at this, this kind of sounds like Laquan Treadwell, just to be honest. And that, to me, is a red flag. Well, and even it, that it went as far as to say that he doesn't work hard enough at it, which would also be the concern. Uh, Ola B.C. Johnson, another seventh-round pick, had 54 catches for Colorado State. I mean, that doesn't really jump off the page at all. And he talked about wanting to be that fluid route runner and things like that. But to your point, if you're talking about a competition for wide receiver three right now, and we've seen this before play out in training camp, uh, there's nobody that you would even talk about really is threatening Laquan Treadwell for that spot. Chad Beebe is a pure slot receiver who couldn't stay healthy in his couple of games that he got. Brandon Zilstra caught one pass against the New York Jets last season. And then beyond that, you're going to bring in some undrafted people. And it feels a lot like the competition from last year. Uh, Jordan Taylor is there too, but he's a guy that has 29 career catches for the Denver Broncos. So it's the same sort of feel like, oh, we've got our Tavares King of the program, or uh, there isn't even a Kendall Wright uh, this time around, and it's almost like Laquan is going in almost uncontested unless somebody rises to the challenge. And you're right that that, to me, is playing with a bit of fire, uh, considering Irv Smith is the only extra weapon that they got for Cousins. Um, I guess you would be happy with a couple of offensive linemen down the board that could uh, potentially turn into long-term players for the Vikings. But if you were looking for anybody that's going to be there right away, uh, roll the dice. There's nobody that I could say uh, past the second round that should make a big impact in 2019. No, I don't think so. I think that Drew Samaya, as we look at the offensive line competition, if I'm projecting it out at, 8 p.m. on Saturday, April 27th, starting at left tackle for Riley Reef, and then you probably move Pat Alfine to left guard, Garrett, slot Garrett Bradbury, your number 18th overall pick in at center, Josh Klein at right guard, and then Brian O'Neill at right tackle. So I think that Samaya will definitely come in and push for a job. He's, you know, Rick Spielman said they were just like blown away at how good he was at, in his combine interview, but not just that, just how he finishes through contact. Um, they said there was not a player better than him. Uh, just from what they saw on tape from his 2018 senior season. And I think just the pedigree of offensive linemen that he played with at Oklahoma speaks volumes to just how many of them were drafted and just where he is 
Um, but I would think that he'd probably be a very, very good viable backup right now. I don't think that we'd see him unless something happens in camp. Um, they guaranteed $7.25 million to Josh Klein on a three-year deal worth right. 15.275. Like, paid a lot of money for, you know, a below average, you know, lower tier starter. You're probably going to have that guy start at right guard. But outside of that, um, my only other concern would be if Mike Hughes is not ready, um, if they honestly needed to, you know, if Chris Boyd could get up to speed where he's not starting, but if there's an issue with Trey Waynes, with with Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander, that he's the first guy on the field. Uh, because we just don't know about the status of Mike Hughes' recovery with his ACL and Holton Hill's gone for four games. That's the only one I could see right now because these sixth and seventh round guys are developmental prospects. Like you can, you can talk all you want about traits and character and the things that you look for, but fact of the matter is, it's a 90-man roster right now. There is, I'm willing to to bet a a big wager that most of these picks that they drafted in 2019 are not going to be on the 53-man roster, yep. and probably very few uh, will be even on the practice squad at this point. Well, let's talk about, I mean, the depth of positions, and if any changed for you, aside from offensive line, clearly they drafted players, but Garrett Bradbury, the first-round pick, and tight end Tyler Conklin and David Morgan were the backup tight ends now it's a guy that's going to play and that they're going to hope is making an immediate impact whether that's at the starter or number two we'll talk about that in a minute aside from that is there any position that you now feel like the Vikings have more depth at than they did when the draft started not being the center and interior offensive line and not being tight end is there any other one where you'd look at it and say you know what now they have a lot of players there well, I think linebacker is one of them because yeah. really think about it. They had one rotational linebacker um, in the mix. I mean, I think that Cameron Smith, just given his stature and what we know about him as a player and kind of the type of system he was in Southern California and what that means uh, and how it projects and translates to the NFL, he's somebody that could very easily replace Ben Gideon at weak side linebacker. Gideon is very um, – like I don't call him a one trick pony, but he does one thing really well. And he's your traditional run of the mill, old school linebacker where he stops the run. And that's about it. They play a lot of nickel in this defense. Um, and you need some depth behind Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and some longer term options. I think they really like what they have in Eric Wilson and watch him, you know, take a jump in year three. That's going to be a really intriguing position battle to watch for the number three linebacker. Um, in my opinion, going into training camp. So I do think they have really nice depth at that position. Um, and then I'll go back to, uh, I'll go back to Chris Boyd. I think getting somebody like that, most mocks that I saw him in projected him as a very late fourth round or fifth round pick. And they got him in the seventh to 217 overall. So that's a really good value for a player that they probably had high on their board. And they, that's why probably they were able to feel confident in picking up a bunch of seventh round picks and trading back even further today. So that when that's all said and done though, um, I don't feel confident looking at the wide receiver options any more than I did at the end of the season. I really don't. I don't know who this team's number three receiver is. Um, and, you know, outside of that with a defensive tackle that they got Armand Watts, that's a, that's a developmental prospect if I've ever heard one. The guy played, you know, one full season at Arkansas and he's, you know, bouncing between one technique and three technique. And that's great. 
Um, his his NFL comparison is Shamar Stefan, but they need to do what they did with Jalen Holmes and Sheldon Richardson last year and just make him a straight-up understudy because while they do have good depth in the defensive line, they've got a more more – Depth on the ed- and the edge rusher spots, like the interior, I'm a little suspect on right now. Unless they plan to move a Fadio Denebo around or any of the other guys and, and shore up that position, because really and truly, it's Shamar Stephan, Linville Joseph, and then Jalen Holmes and uh, Jaleel Johnson. That's it. So I agree with uh, all of that. And the interior of the defensive line is going to be something to watch. Uh, do they bring back Tom Johnson again and uh, run it back with him and Jamar Stefan in the middle? Do they trust Jalen Holmes? Uh, Rick Spielman mentioned that Jalen Holmes is up to 300 pounds. So they seem to have some confidence that he could be a three technique. But until we see it, we can't believe it yet um, we'll start to get a sense of that in rookie minicamp just kind of how his body looks but it won't be until training camp where we really see him go up against offensive linemen in pads and know if he's taking that big step but a little bit of a risk to try to replace Sheldon Richardson with someone you drafted in the fourth round uh, last year now at the end of the press conference today you asked Rick Spielman Hey, Rick, did you get any phone calls, say, on a certain tight end, pro bowler, tall guy, um, good at basketball, or maybe, say, a cornerback, dreadlocks, real fast? No, any of these guys sound familiar to do? And uh, Rick said, no, no, never heard of them. Um, do we, A, there were rumors about phone calls to the Vikings. A, do we believe that no one was actually calling? And B, what do you make of the fact that there were no trades by the Vikings that involved players? I do not believe that at all, uh, given that's different than what I've been hearing from Friday and even to parts of Saturday that, um, you know, there are play, there are teams that were inquiring about Kyle Rudolph. There were teams that were inquiring about the Vikings cornerback depth and potentially wanting to move one of their veteran corners. Um, nothing panned out, and that's fine. Uh, they're still in salary cap hell right now because they need to figure out <laughs> they have 12 draft picks. How are you going to sign all of these guys? Um, that's just that's that's its own subject. But the thing for me is last night, once we started getting past the middle of the third round, uh, I was told there's no way that the Rudolph trade is going to happen, at least right now, because the value just wasn't there. Um, I think that Minnesota wanted probably something like a third round pick for him at minimum. Um, and when you get into Saturday, you get in the fourth round and like nothing's happening after, you know, the middle of the fourth round passes by, the value's just not there. It'd be silly to trade him at that point. He's a really good player, somebody who has multiple Pro Bowls and um, is 29 years old. For, for what he said, he has a lot of his game, a lot of his career left. It's still a very good player and wants to show that. Um, how they fit him into this offense is going to be really cool to see if they can keep him here. I love 12 personnel. I love two tight end sets. I love what Philly did the year they won the Super Bowl with Backerts and Trey Burton. The Vikings seem to have the capabilities to do that. It's just can you afford to keep Kyle Rudolph here? Um, or find a way to sign all your draft class and do all that. It's one or the other. Um, and if it's the other option of Rudolph, they're going to have to restructure here. I don't know any other way. I can't find any other way that they'd be able to do this um, and you know make it work. But it is interesting that nothing happened. Um, I'm, I'm curious if the Vikings were maybe hedging a little bit too much and trying to get even more value for Kyle Rudolph. Um, I don't know. I think, honestly, the run on cornerbacks in the second and third round 
uh, and just how many were available there because of the amount of edge rushers and other defensive linemen that were chosen in the first round that pushed everybody down. Like, I feel like teams were like, hey, we don't actually need to trade for Trey Waynes or Xavier Rhodes. Like, Mm -hmm. we've got plenty of cornerbacks on the board as it is. Um, Let's save our draft capital and just go get who we want. I think these teams are incredibly stubborn when it comes to moving draft picks around the draft, but I don't get it. I I mean, I I look at the Patriots as a team who have traded later round picks for actual players. Josh Gordon's a great example. They trade a fifth for Josh Gordon. They get 53 or 52 catches out of him last year for a fifth round pick. What are the chances your fifth round pick even makes 52 catches if that's a wide receiver someday? I mean, if you're a team that is in win now mode and even needs a number two tight end and you've got the cap space, I don't get why you wouldn't trade a third round pick for Kyle Rudolph if you're a team that can win or why you wouldn't trade even a second round pick for Trey Waynes. The odds are just not particularly high that those players are going to turn out to be as good. But we know how NFL GMs and scouting staffs and everything else, they always believe in themselves. They always have overconfidence when it comes to the draft and probably don't want to give up high value for someone like Rudolph. I'm 100% with you that Irv Smith and Rudolph are a good combination. Take Rudolph out of that mix. Tell me how Irv Smith's going to do if he has to, I don't know, block Khalil Mack on a play. Like, I don't, I don't think that's going to go very well. I I don't think just asking a 20 or 21 year old tight end to step in and play one of the most difficult positions as a starter, every down is going to be something that they really want to risk doing. So it, it will be fascinating to figure out how they make this cap space. I'm holding on to the trade Laquan Treadwell for nothing or with a seventh round pick from next year to someone who wants a project to make that space or after June 1st, there's the Riley Reef possibility. Um, there's Linval Joseph. There are a couple more options here, but it's getting pretty tight. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think the post-June 1 designation for several guys is probably the way that they go um, with some of the veteran cuts because, you know, they don't have to clear all the cap space right now. They don't have to have the entire draft class signed this week. Like, let's remember, Mike Hughes did not sign until, like, three days before training camp last right. year. Yeah. When, when rookies reported. Like, so they can hold they, off. They can hold off. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like the pre-CBA days where guys are making, I mean, these are all slotted value. It's not like we have to worry about anything like that. But just in terms of what we have here, like, is a situation where, financially they're probably in the same spot if not maybe a little worse than they were going into the draft just because you weren't able to pick up any draft capital and move anybody off the books that you could have replaced with a draft pick so they've got to figure it out via summer cuts like the you know the stuff that's going to happen you know the in in OTAs leading into uh mandatory minicamp like that to me is probably your best time to move guys off the books but the caveat there is what you said I mean it's going to be very difficult to run this offense for Irv Smith to be as explosive as we think he is without a guy like Kyle Rudolph in it. Uh, Kyle's a good blocker. Um, I think that, you know, Irv Smith obviously has a ways to go. As Jamal Stevenson told us yesterday that, um, you know, he's, you know, he said he's okay at it, but they like the traits, they like the willingness to use his body, um, that he'll be able to jump into it and eventually get better at it. I mean, I'm not saying Kyle's elite at it, like that's, you know, some people have put out there, but he's good at it. Like, and they need his presence out there. Um, I just don't know financially, you know, 
I'm no more confident in the cornerback depth today than I was going into the draft. So I don't think that you move any of the corners. And, you know, with Rudolph, I mean, it's just going to be a matter of do they try to restructure him this coming week or in the coming weeks, or do they try to gut him eventually after June 1? All right, Courtney, we've put it off now for 23 minutes. But I've been waiting for this. I didn't want to sabotage <laughs> the whole show and just, like, start talking about I thought about, about starting with snapper. it. But if I started with it, you would go 20 minutes just from the very beginning on this topic, the long snapper. We are not supposed to celebrate. And we never do in the press box, in the media room, anything, because we don't care. But this one, this one got cheers. There were people uh, firing off uh, balloons and fireworks and um, hugging and high-fiving in the media room. Crying, tears of joy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, it was, um, that was a moment that was- Pandemonium, I would say, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, (laughs) Austin- (laughs) Austin Cutting, the long snapper from Air Force, I think the interesting thing here is just like, you know, he's the first player that was drafted from Air Force in a very long time. Uh, I believe ESPN Stats and Info said he's the first player from the that academy since defensive lineman Bryce Fisher in 1999. And the last player who was drafted from any service academy was when uh, the Navy quarterback, Keenan Reynolds, was taken two, three years ago now. So it's kind of a monumental moment for from that standpoint. But just for the fact that I love a long snapper and I love what they bring to the game and every single team needs one. Um, and just given, you know, there's just this team's only had like a couple issues. <laughs> a long snapper losing a tip of your pinky in Los Angeles and one nearly costing you a trip to the NFC Championship. Um, there's reason to believe that they're going to keep it interesting here with their long snapper. It's just going to be a matter now of when do they get in here because uh, the Vikings are, as Rick Spielman kind of didn't really give us too many details, but said that uh, he's in contact with the Air Force Academy about uh, cutting being able to serve his time uh, in the service. Uh, he is... Um, He's not a pilot. I asked him what he was earlier, and now it's <laughs> No, he's not a pilot. Me. The fact that he's from Air Force <laughs> makes it better. I mean, he's not he's just a long snapper. He is from no. the Air Force. And he's an acquisitions officer. I don't know exactly know what that means, but he told me he buys and sells things. So I really want to understand the move. Uh, I, I can't possibly work myself up into a spot in this world where I get upset about a seventh-round pick. I don't get drafting a long snapper. I don't get this at all. Un- unless, <laughs> unless the new special teams coach, Marwan, um, what is it? Maloof? Maloof? M- Maloof. M- coach, coach Moof. Coach Moof. Okay. Uh, well, he's, he's new. They just hired him. Unless he feels like Kevin McDermott has something to do with the kicking woes for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason would be. And they need to get this guy who pro football focus had a stat on him being unbelievably accurate at long snapping. So if that's the deal, <laughs> then that's the deal. And also thank you pro football focus for trapping, uh, tracking this man's long snaps. You're just beautiful. That's just wonderful. So I it's, mean, it's almost it's, like they did it for you purposefully. I think they did. And apparently as cutting was telling us, there were like three to four teams that were planning to, uh, that were in the mix and that were going to sign him as an undrafted free agent. I think Denver, as I saw on Twitter, was one of them. And the Vikings scoop him up with the 250th pick. I mean, it's four picks before the end of the draft. You really can't go wrong. Like yeah. You could pick a quarterback yep. at this spot and be like, camp body, there you go. Uh, but they got a long snapper. I do agree with you. I think this was a tribute to myself. Um, so I appreciate Rick Spielman for doing that because obviously the long snapper of this franchise 
the, the aura and intrigue around that position here brings me much joy. Um, so yeah, I mean, but it, it's interesting. Kevin McDermott is under contract through 2020. I mean, they can obviously finagle that and get rid of him if they really do think that he was contributing to some of the issues in the, the kicking game. But, um, it's an interesting one. I'm very curious about this and we should be hearing from Austin cutting next week. Um, he said that he's planning to be out here for mini camp. So obviously I'm getting the first interview with him. Oh yes. The first one-on-one. And like, I want no one bothering me. I've got 30 (laughs) questions for this guy. And you are like Bart Scott. You can't wait. You cannot wait wait. for the long snapper to get here and uh, for us to see him. I remember last year in uh, right before uh, rookie minicamp, they signed a six foot seven long snapper and he took all these pictures of himself in Vikings gear. And then they cut him after like one day. (laughs) Nick Dooley. Dooley, We will never forget you, man. I will never forget him in his six foot seven frame. I think he played tackle at one point. I I hope it worked out for him. Um, he went through, I just, I just remember like after he was cut, uh, cause I took a bunch of pictures for whatever reason and tweeted them all out <laughs> from rookie minicamp. <laughs> he went through and liked all of my tweets oh, that had his man. name in it. Uh, so he's definitely a name searcher on Twitter. Well, at least he didn't take any of your pictures and post them on his own account like a certain Viking did, but we won't discuss Man, that. Man, I don't know who would do that. What, what, a, what a thing to steal someone's <laughs> I would have character property. concerns about that player, personally. Yeah, that guy, that guy seems like he's got some issues. <laughs> All right, Courtney. Uh, well, wonderful coverage. Uh, very glad to have you. And if you're listening to this Saturday or Sunday, then on Monday, you and I will be on the radio breaking it all down from 12 to two live. So I yeah. Do you think we could that. start? Do you think we could start that show with the long snapper yes. right at noon? hundred percent. Maybe, maybe we could even get him on the show. You know, it's not a bad idea. We will, we will uh, effort. We will make the effort to try and do that. Cause that would be amazing. So, all right. Well, great stuff, Courtney. Um, ESPN.com, Vikings coverage, and uh, Courtney R. Cronin on Twitter. If you missed any of the Twitter brilliance from Courtney all weekend long, you can check it out there. And we will talk to you <laughs> later on the Purple Podcast. Thanks for listening. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan Leaf. It can move racing forward and take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.